0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And folks, we unfortunately did not have a Monday episode this week as I ran into a family emergency there, so appreciate everybody's patience and understanding. However, we are back with our usual Thursday episode, and we have a ton to talk about, starting off with the Sabres' 6-4 win against Ottawa in the second half of a back-to-back after a tough loss against Montreal. UPL picked up the start in the game against the Sens and got the W for the Sabres, overall having a very solid outing until the third period in which he let in three goals, and over the span of about three minutes but that said he did have 16 saves in the third period as the savers held off the senators four players in this one had multi-point games including three points for tage and a two-goal effort for skinner who's now on a three-game scoring streak and after not recording a point in the opener rasmus Dahlin has recorded at least a point in every game since and is up to seven points in as many games according to nhl pr there has been four instances of a Sabres defenseman recording a six game point streak in the last 20 years. And our dear pal Rasmus is responsible for three of those streaks. This one did get a little chippy as Alex Tuck and Brady Kachuk fought. And there was soon after another scrum. But with that being said, it was great to see the way that the guys really were standing up for each other and holding a united front in the face of uh, what could have turned out to be an even further chippy game. Another highlight in this one was the Sabres penalty kill, which has continued to show significant improvement as they went four for five on the night and right now are at a very, very solid 24 for 27 on the season. So, Taylor, your thoughts on this back-to-back, obviously starting off with a not-so-great loss against Montreal in a game that I think we can all agree that the Sabres overall outplayed the Canadians and they just got goalied by Jake Allen, but... In a back-to-back with UPL getting his first start, it was not as though it was the most optimistic of atmospheres for Sabres fans watching this one. However, they managed to pull out an impressive win, and the top line really came to life and started started to show some finishing touch. So, Taylor, your thoughts on this back-to-back and where the Sabres are at now heading into a big matchup against New Jersey on Friday.
1: Well, first of all, I think uh, it's I'd go back even to Saturday's game against the Islanders and say that the Sabres have played pretty well three games in a row which is a good sign, obviously, and that would make four out of five with the Tampa Bay game. The obvious downside of that was the Montreal game, but I'll get back to that in a second. Start with the Islanders game. Uh, that was a great effort. The Sabres are pretty much dominating, and they were. it was a very frustrating thing because they weren't facing Sorokin, and they still couldn't get through. Obviously, Varlamov's a really good backup goalie, but it was still frustrating the game of scores for that long, and for them finally to break through and get those three goals – that was huge. So that was that was a good win. That was the first non-hold your breath win of the season. Uh that was a it was a great effort. A little bit of breaking free played, I believe. Oh, that yeah. was great. Uh what came after that, the Montreal game, is the kind of rush it's very frustrating, and it's unfortunate that we've had a kind of a pileup of this kind of frustration early in the season, but <clears throat> What I'm talking about is getting goalied by a bad goalie. It's, it's unfortunate. It happens every year. It happens to every kind of team, no matter how talented you are. It's not just guys like the Ilya Sorokin, Varlamov, and then obviously the other many good goalies in the league, not that many, but the handful of guys, you know, I'm talking about, you lose to them and say, yeah, what can you do? But every year you'll lose to someone, an inferior opponent with an inferior goalie. And you'd be like, why the hell did that happen? And it just happens that way. And I'm not saying that I know the Sabres had more shots than scoring chances, Maybe the shots made it look a little lopsided, but the Sabres were kind of in control of that game. And it honestly seemed like late that they were going to tie it up, that they were going to make it a 2-2 game. And just a, a bad series of unfortunate events leading up to a penalty and then a power play goal for Montreal led to that. Uh, but yeah, so last time was a great example. They looked great. I know they ended up getting outshot by quite a bit, but that's kind of a score effects thing. They were up 5-1 with like five minutes left in the second period. So... Yeah, you don't love to see them give up three goals the way they did, but that was just kind of a, I don't know, bizarre circumstances. A little bit of a combination of UPL not really moving well. Uh, And I mean, at the end of the game, he just, it's, it's a weird, it was a weird thing. He made 16 saves in the third period. Like you said, it was quite an effort by him, but you know, late in the game, that was not a great effort. And the Sabres kind of you know, they didn't do a good job parking the bus either in that situation. I'm not a big fan of parking the bus in the second period with like five minutes left. Yeah, you got to do it. And they tried to, but yeah. But really to get to the point of that game, the offense started to look a little bit more like itself. I know it was more deflection type goals, but they were they were on the rush. They were really strong in their own zone. They were forechecking good. Tage looked good. I mean, Tuck didn't even look bad. Tuck had a goal and an assist, obviously uh cousins has now been pretty productive and it's like oh the offense is starting to come together and hey a 6-4 win it sounds like last year's savers
0: absolutely especially with
1: upl being in the net
0: well and i think it speaks to the fact too that the top line i would say actually with the exception of talk because he has had a very rough start to the year but at least in the case of Tage, the goals and the points weren't really falling, obviously really heavily until this one but It was not like he was having a bad start to the year. And also that was the case last year too, that Tage had a little bit of a slow start. And then after that, he was lights out from there. And that's what we've been saying all along is that people, I feel like were very quick to jump to the worst possible conclusion after the team had a slow start. And again, it's an 82 game season. We're only seven games in right now. There is a lot of hockey left to be played. We're not even in November yet. It's going to take some time, or I should say it does take time for these guys to really start clicking with one another and to, even within themselves too, and to really start taking over. Like, let's be honest here. Are, are we really thinking that the Alex Tuck that we've been seeing for these, you know, past two weeks here is the Alex Tuck that we're going to have for the rest of the season, or this is just like, he's now on some kind of very steep decline in his career. Of course not. It's it's the start to the year. It's growing pains that the guys just have to get through with just getting re-acclimated to just playing regular season games. And I think that it's just very short-sighted for some of the people who are going so far as to, like, act like they're punting on the season after seven games. They're three and four right now. There's no reason that they can continue to grow and continue to improve this year and go on a run here and be the team that we all were expecting them to. With that being said, though, there's some questions now as to the goaltending situation here, Taylor. All three of the Sabres goalies have picked up a win this year so far, with Eric Comrie among them having the best overall numbers here. Devin Levi is currently considered day-to-day with a lower body with a lower body injury. As we know with the Sabres and their injury designations, day-to-day could mean either he's going to be ready in time for the game on Friday or he has both of his legs chopped off currently like the night from Monty Python. So that remains to be seen. But, Taylor, my question for you is, Levi has had, I don't want to say a rough start to the year because it is early, first few games. He's had some moments where he's looked really good and he's had some moments where... It's kind of like, yeah, this guy is actually a rookie in his first full season here. He's rocking an 892 save percentage right now, as compared to Comrie, who has a 923 and UPL is at an 895. That, of course, being heavily swayed by those three goals that he ended up letting up in the third period here. But as we had mentioned at the top of the episode, going into Friday's game, you're facing off against New Jersey, a very high powered offense here. Who do you have in goal starting, assuming all three goalies are healthy?
1: Man, that's kind of early for that kind of question, but I guess the way things are going so far, Comrie, but yeah, it's just two games that he played. Like It's really hard to judge so far. I'm not sure if it was wise to throw Levi out there for four straight games. I know none of them were really backs-to-backs or anything like that, but he's a young fella, and he hasn't really taken on a huge workload ever. He's never started more than 35 games, I believe, in a season. I don't know if last year maybe combined college and NHL he did, but anyway, Comrie, that's kind of a good segue to what I wanted to mention. He was really good in both games. He Unfortunately, the late power play goal, but like he was dynamite at even strength and one goal against the Islanders. He kind of almost a Ryan Miller shutout out there and he was really good against Montreal. So it was kind of the opposite of his fault uh, that they lost that game. So he looked great. UPL. I mean, he kind of looked like UPL. I don't really know what to say. I'd like to see more from him and more from Comrie, obviously. But yeah, I, it, it's such a tough situation having three goalies because it's like you still want to get all these guys work. Right. I don't really know what you do. I mean, I don't know. Like we said, we talked about injuries. What does that really mean? <laughs> who knows? If it's not that serious, I'd like to get Levi in there again soon. I don't want him to take like two weeks off or more, but who knows? Like you said, and Comrie, yeah. I would, I, right now it's obviously still favorite Comrie over UPL.
0: Yeah, I don't think that it's necessarily a situation where you're going to give UPL or Comrie the ability to like steal the job back from Levi. To be fair, I don't think either of them would, even if they were given the chance for that matter. But the reality of the situation is, as much as we don't like it, there are three goalies on the roster right now. And it's on this coaching staff and it's on this front office to do due diligence here to determine who is going to be the guy that is going to be paired with Levi for the entirety of the season. Because I have a hard time believing that three goalies are going to remain on the roster through the entire regular season. I think that's just like poor management, to be completely honest. I get the situation that they're in right now. But to be fair, that situation is because of the fact that they didn't properly address the net in the off season. However, these are the cars they're dealt. This is where they're at right now. And so you do have to figure out who is going to earn that spot. You know, I'm with you that I feel as though Comrie is definitely kind of in the driver's seat in that realm right now. And I know in our season preview episode that my prediction was that UPL was not going to be a saber by the end of the year. But he is on the roster now. The guy does have some value there. So you do have to roll him out there and you have to play him and you have to see really what you have there. And if it gets to the point that Comrie's giving you no choice and you feel as though this is the guy that we want to move forward with and we want to use this additional roster spot to get another forward up or another defenseman, then you got to play him and you got to figure out really what the value is. And if you're ready to to move on from him, I think they should be at some point. I think that While UPL obviously is still on the young side, by and large, you kind of know what you have there and you also know what you don't have. And I would say that is like an everyday starter in the NHL, but you have this luxury of having Levi here. You're going to have to lean on him. And I just think that it would be malpractice for this team to have the mindset of keeping three goalies on the roster for the entire 82 game season. I don't think it's what they're going to do, but if that's what ends up happening, then I think that is a just colossal mistake. That being said, as far as Friday goes, I'm with you that I think that if Levi's ready, yeah, he stumbled a little bit, but you got to get him back in there and you got to give him a chance to redeem himself, to get in a a groove and regain some of that confidence. That being said, if he's not ready, I'm I'm probably going Comrie, even though you are coming off a, a win with UPL. I think that when you look at the schedule coming up here, as we said, obviously you're facing off against New Jersey this Friday, one of the league's premier teams, one of the league's most potent offensive teams. And you have Jack Hughes, who is absolutely lighting the world on fire right now with how just dominant he's been. I think it's fair to say that Austin Matthews has had two hat-tricks thus far this year, but Jack Hughes has been the best player in the league, I think, to date at 14 this points
1: point. in five games. The Outrageous. Most such- Mario LeMieux in 92-93
0: absolutely outrageous
1: now but Brandon, would you say because uh, there was some discrepancy not discrepancy but there was some conversation about this on twitter would you say jack hughes is better or more important in his role than capo caco Ooh. your thoughts
0: you know it's it's really tough taylor oh man that's tough i mean I, and i don't want to offend here because i know capo caco is cemented as your boy <laughs> I want all of our listeners to understand that Capo Caco is Taylor's boy. Taylor has been a believer from the start. He has just silenced the haters time and time again. And so I don't want to offend here. But what I will say is Capo Caco is probably going to rip off 14 points over his next five games. So us talking about Jack Hughes is really just a moot point, I think, at this stage of the game. I think that he's going to really take over the heart conversation here. I'm honestly out of Capo Caco expecting him to put up modest numbers. I would say maybe like 70 goals, 70 assists, 140 points. Your thoughts?
1: Uh, You know, I'm just checking right now to see how close he is to 14. Well, he's, you know, he's damn near there. He's got two points in six games.
0: Oh, good so, for him.
1: Um, <laughs> wow. But good conversation. <laughs> It was really cool to see that on Twitter. It felt like <laughs> it was personally designed for me. Thank you, Rangers fans. You really know how to brighten up a fellow's week. Oh, we love that. With your blessed takes. I wish I was making that take up. I wish I was that creative.
0: You're you're actually shitting me that people are saying this.
1: That was a real thing. I didn't make that up. That was a real conversation.
0: Can you text me that, please?
1: Yeah, if I could find it. The real mm. real quote: if Capo if what Capo does leads to 50 goals being created that is just as good as jack hughes scoring 50 goals
0: oh boy oh boy we got to get rangers fans just to stop watching hockey we got to get these folks out of the sport i'm all about inclusivity but when it comes to rangers fans that's where i draw the line
1: yeah most normal rangers fan take um but yeah so to to, to finish my thought though oh yeah go ahead i was just gonna say to finish my thought you have new jersey
0: on friday you're following it up with Colorado on Sunday. So it's not like it gets a whole lot easier. So I'm thinking you go Levi Friday, see how it goes. And then maybe you roll out Comrie on, uh, or on Sunday, excuse me. But with that being said, after you get through those two games, you have a really good opportunity over these next couple of weeks to get some really good games in between the goalies. You have a back-to-back against Philly on Wednesday and Friday, respectively. I shouldn't say back-to-back, but you're playing Philly back-to-back. And then you have your first matchup against the Leafs on that Saturday. So You're going to have a four-game week next week. I'm thinking probably each of the goalies will get a start. I mean, maybe you go Comrie Sunday, Levi Wednesday, UPL Friday against the Flyers, and then you go back to Levi on Saturday against the Leafs. And then after that, the following week, that second week of November, you have Carolina – on Tuesday followed by uh, back-to-back against Minnesota and Pittsburgh on Friday and Saturday there. So you're going to get some really good opportunities coming up to get these guys some games. I, like I said, I think that's how I would go about the goalie breakdown here, but yeah, if he is healthy, I think you got to go Levi Friday and then follow up with Comrie on Sunday against the Avs. What are your thoughts?
1: I think that makes sense. Yeah. We haven't obviously heard yet. Who's going to be, and we even is likely to be in that. Uh, but yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense to me. Like, got to see levi again Comrie obviously you got to see him again he played really well two games in a row two games in three nights so
0: yeah
1: i i definitely agree with that and you know they have the work cut out for him against the devils uh the devils they're they're really good at scoring uh and jack hughes is just one example like you already have uh multiple goals from let's see brought to foley hamilton all those guys have at least three goals and then howla and then you, you know, you have other guys on the roster. They're interesting. Palad, holds, Timo Meyer like guys who haven't even been all that great yet. The good thing, though, as we've said many times, goaltending is bad in the NHL. The Devils have under 900 save percentage right now. It's a mm. good time to keep the offense rolling. Whether you're playing Vanacek or Kira Schmidt, doesn't really matter to me. I don't think those guys are either. Of those guys are very good. So perfect opportunity for that.
0: Agreed. Agreed, Taylor. So as I alluded to at the top of the episode, it has been no secret that Alex Tuck has had a rough start to this 2023-2024 regular season here. There's just been a sluggish look to him. He hasn't looked like he's been fully engaged, certainly not the player that we saw last year that had such an effective season for the Sabres. And while Jeff Skinner has had a really solid start to the year, scoring five goals in these first seven games, and Tage again, I think the points are going to start coming there. But overall, he's looked pretty good. It has been a little bit alarming how Tuck has really seemed to just not be the guy that he really was. And now I know that Tage has started to find some success since they broke up the top line there, as you had Tage and Cousins playing with Jordan Greenway. Uh, it was a nice bounce back, though. Let's be real. It was a nice bounce back effort from Tuck, at least him getting some points on the board there. How concerned are you with what we've seen from Alex Tuck thus far? And do you think that the alarm should be going off for Sabres fans here that something's up? Or do you think that he's going to work through this and it's going to be smooth sailing?
1: Well, he did look better on Tuesday night, but there's some thought now that he might be hurt. I know he was banged up a little bit during training camp and maybe never fully healed. That actually would explain a lot because he doesn't look as fast and he doesn't look as sharp as he has in the past few years so i think that's a distinct possibility and if, if he is hurt man i can't recommend fighting brady kachuk less don't do don't do that he's a he's Agreed. a vicious scumbag so literally fight anyone else uh so but but to the point on uh tuck if it's really just an injury you just got to sit out at this point your your spot and the roster is not Up for grabs. And I know you want to think you want to play through it, but if you're gonna make it worse, don't do it. Now, on the other hand, if it's the kind of thing where it's he's just a little banged up and it's healing and getting his feet under him again, that's fine, but you really can't just wait forever for that to happen. They need Alex Tuck to be Alex Tuck. And I think so far the season you've seen what it's like when he's not himself and how important of a player he is to the roster. And I know like a lot of the offense stuff has kind of been bad luck, especially Tage's shooting luck so far before last night. But A lot of it also is Tuck not being the guy he was. He really was kind of the engine behind, not the exact engine behind the first line, but he's a key player. Really, really important. And I think it's worth remembering that uh, Tage really hit his stride when Tuck joined his line. On the positive side, though, Jeff Skinner, five goals already.
0: Great start for him. Great start. Speaking of great starts,
1: uh, did you have more that you wanted to add there on Tuck? Uh, No, I just wanted to say Skinner's probably the biggest bright spot so far. I kind of doubted myself at the end, but I think he is.
0: I think there's a few we could talk about as far as bright spots go. I mean, Casey Middlestat again, continuing to look fantastic. Him now getting uh, the opportunity to roll with Skinner and Tuck. They've looked great. No matter who Casey has played with this year, he has looked rock solid, has been a really solid contributor for them. Also, Jordan Greenway, man. We talked about it a couple episodes ago. He was clearly hurt at the end of last year. You and I were not big fans of him at all. We were pretty harsh about the fact that he was even on the team in the capital that they ended up giving up to get him in a second round pick. But man, he has looked damn good this year. A really solid physical presence throughout this forward group. And again, whether it was playing with Middlestat and Benson or now getting the opportunity with Cousins and Tage, I think that Greenway has been fantastic to start this year. He's been a good pace setter for them. He's been playing with a lot of physicality. And I think that while the the, you know, opportunities that he's getting right now playing with a lot of like these skill guys and everything, he's he's thriving there. I think that ultimately, though, I feel much better about him settling in maybe in the long term, potentially not to get too far ahead of ourselves because it is early in the year, but. I feel a lot better now than I did two weeks ago about the prospect of him settling in and being a fixture in the bottom six on this team as they're ready to really contend and and continue to enter in, in, into their contention window. So talk to me about your thoughts on middle stat and Greenway thus far in the early parts of this regular season.
1: I have thoughts on both those guys, Brendan, but before I give you any of those thoughts on these two fine fellas, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. Folks, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. So, one upcoming game you might be thinking about. Thursday, you're listening to this. The Bills are playing tonight. Already, they're back. Is that a threat, or am I just telling you information? Uh, they're playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. The Bills are favored by eight and a half points in this game, which I think is interesting. Uh, so is this the kind of situation where they're being overvalued because of their past or because of the opponent they're playing, and maybe you, you know that they're actually not worth the – Betting on them, they shouldn't be favored by eight and a half. Or is it a situation where they're going to come out and uh, take their anger out on the Bucks and win big? I don't know. That's for you to figure out. And you know where you can figure that out? DraftKings Sportsbook. Get on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can score two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN, only in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler. Visit www.100gambler.net, New York. Call 877 at OpenWire. Text OpenY467369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777. Visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Gold Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana. 21 and over, but age will vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 1. 168 hours after issuance see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources okay so middle stat i think has even gotten better and that's a huge step forward uh after wondering a lot of the first half of last year like what is this guy why don't they trade him what's going on with all that and they keep him and man he really seems like he could be a top six player in the nhl he every year gets a little bit closer to you know living up to his draft type and i'm kind of done doubting him now i think and he's continued to be an excellent passer or play driver just it's great to see everything he's done all along and he's done it uh in multiple situations now he's played with different line mates, so he's uh, also a big compliment i could give him is he seems to make his line mates better or at least appear better and play better Jordan Greenway. Wow. Yeah. I guess he really was just hurt last year because he seems like a totally different guy too. He is like a ferocious four checker. He's not, no one's going to mistake him for like Tage or anything, but he's been good in the four check. He's been good in his own zone and the penalty kill. Wow. The penalty kill has been way better this year. And I think one of the reasons for that is Don Granato saw the light and said, power plays need space. How do you get rid of space? Guys with big, long arms, Tage, Greenway, mucking things up, getting rid of passing lanes, just like, uh, you know, it's it's tough to pass into the paint when there's a guy with a seven-foot wingspan out there in the NBA, but same same principle in the NHL, really, when you're dealing with the power play. So it's been really cool, and Greenway now seems like a good acquisition. I think th- it was always going to hinge uh, on how he opened this year, how we viewed it, because it's like they gave up a second, a late second, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, to get him and if you give up a late second for a guy who's a decent nhl player even for like 2 years that's probably fine but if if he was going to play the way he did last year and cough cough take up a roster spot doing it that was going to be a problem so it's it's great to see how greenway's played so far and middle stat like i said very very heartening
0: absolutely i i think it's just a great development on both of these fronts and As we've talked about with the forward group, Taylor, you know, there's a lot of guys in the mix right now for just spots in the top nine. You have a lot of guys coming up through the pipeline. And at least now it really does feel like, okay, we have like a good problem on our hands here because guys cementing themselves as quality NHLers, not to say that it makes like the other guys more expendable or the prospects more expendable, but it just gives you more flexibility with how you can weaponize those assets to ultimately make your team better. So both Greenway and Middlestat working out in the way that they have, I think, is just very exciting for this team. And I'm really looking forward to it. One of the last things I do want to ask you about, though, is Zach Benson. He sat down for a couple games. He came back in against the Senators. Thought he had a, a solid effort overall. Getting a little chippy in there. I don't know if you saw the clip of uh, yeah. Tarasenko, but that that was just that was beautiful. And Granado having to step in there. Uh, obviously, the point production it hasn't been there. Uh, After starting off again with with two points over or I should say two assists over his first couple of games there. But what's your sense on Benson right now? Are you liking it? I mean, he played only 949 uh, in the game against Ottawa. So that's a, a pretty significant drop of a few minutes from his ice time in the prior games. Are you uh, how are you feeling about Benson? Has your opinion on him changed? Do you think that there's a a long term future here in the sense of like this season making it past the nine game trial? Or do you think that they're going to space this out even more and then they're going to eventually end up just sending him back to the WHL?
1: Yeah, I kind of wonder if they're leaning that way. I would hope. I would like to see him, his his last four games that he has, I'd like to see him actually play in those games and play like a lot, a lot of good minutes with good players and like, give it a real shot. See what you got and see if that is actually smart to try to keep him up this year. Like, is it worth it? Is a, uh, is this guy going to help you make the playoffs this year? He seems like a possibility. It also seems possible. Uh, even though he shows flashes that maybe he's not quite ready hundred percent. So let's find out in these last four games that he has up. And then, to your second point about stretching it out it is an interesting thing that they can kind of you know see like hey let's keep Benson around for a little while and then they can I believe if I'm not mistaken Brendan after Savoy is done in Rochester with his rehab assignment they can give him nine games as well uh, and then that can take you and then you know maybe fill in with Jost whatever after Savoy has gone and that can take you almost to when Quinn gets back uh, I is that a good idea I don't know <laughs> It means you're probably going to have to see a decent amount of Victor Olsen still for the time being at least, but who knows, honestly, when Quinn gets back, if he's back at some point in December, that'd be fantastic. Love to see that. Uh, But in the meantime, I think it is worth finding out. Could Benson and Savoy just help this year?
0: I think that's the real question. I I I mean, Savoy,
1: sorry, but Savoy is a, a, ninth overall pick I want to say mm-hmm. in his draft plus two year not that crazy to think he could be a role player on a team that has playoff aspirations that's not crazy Benson would be crazy but it, you know you, we've seen some good evidence so far that he's he's ready but I guess like I said on Benson I'm still waiting to see if he if he isn't all that spectacular in his last games up here like I think you just maybe you, you let him go back to juniors and dominate
0: yeah. I, and I'm fine with that too. I, I'm very much with you that I do think that there's a place for both of them here. I especially think that, I mean, we got, I, I he looked much more engaged yesterday or on in Tuesday's game against Ottawa. So I want to give credit where it's due and Victor Olofsson. Like he, I thought had a nice bounce back after getting sent to the press box there, but I still think that this is not a middle stat situation where you're rethinking or even Greenway for that matter, where you're rethinking their role in the long-term plans of the team here. Olsen does not have a place on this team beyond this year. And the sooner that he's off the roster, I think the better. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, you have Quinn coming back at some point, probably a couple months down the line, you're going to be getting Savoy back as he's headed for his stint and his rehab stint in Rochester. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that these two guys can be effective pieces for you now and help you win right now. It's just going to really be, you know, based on how Savoy obviously looks in the rehab stint. And when he comes up, like, is he that kind of spark that you need? Is, his ability to be an effective four checker in spite of his size, is that going to translate right off to the bat, right off the bat in the NHL level is his speed going to be able to be effective to that degree at the NHL level, where he's able to beat guys and make guys miss and be able to play at a high speed like that, to make those passes under pressure and and be an effective piece in the offensive zone, because you're not looking for him to let the world on fire on defense, like in the way that maybe you are hoping that Benson will long-term, but Savoy does have a lot of pieces that for a guy of his size and his skill set, it should be able to work out at the NHL level at this point. And I think that after how well he played down the stretch last year in Winnipeg and in the playoffs that he's earned that right to get a look. And I think that the Sabres were preparing for that ahead of him getting this injury. So it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think you could say definitively one way or another at this point, but I'm just looking forward to seeing how, Benson is going to be able to stack up against some really high quality opponents coming up in the form of New Jersey and Colorado. And then obviously ultimately depending on what their plan is for sitting him or not, but is he going to play against Toronto, for example? Like that's something I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing. So we got an interesting couple weeks coming here, Taylor. It's, it's getting good. Things are starting to heat up and uh, think, think we're on the up and up here with the Sabres, but, damn! this goaltending situation is going to just stay interesting here. Do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off for the day?
1: Yes, I recommend uh, for Spooky Season, The Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix. Mike Flanagan show. He makes one of these basically every year. This one's great, based on Edgar Allan Poe novel. Uh, a lot of the Flanagan regular actors, but also Mark Hamill. My um, man. What a performance by him, playing like a guy like I've never seen him before. And, you know, just great performances all around.
0: Amazing. Love that. I'm going to do a spooky recommendation as well. But it's going to be my show that I'm playing. I'm playing Mr. Goodbar's Halloween Party this Friday night, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., folks. It is a great time. This is our third straight year playing Goodbar's Halloween show. There's a big costume contest. There's going to be prizes. There's going to be drinks. It's just going to be an awesome time. So much fun. So make sure you come and hang out. Come see my band Slow Animals. If you, as always... Whenever I give this offer, I mean it. If you come to the show and you are listening right now, come up to me, say, hey, I heard you mention this on the podcast. I listened and, uh, you know, introduce yourself. That is a token for a free drink on me. So hopefully we will see you there, folks. But in the meantime, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And make sure you're following them both on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us Straight Up Sabers. And before you close out of this app, make sure you leave us a nice little rating or review on whatever your streaming platform of choice is. Last but not least, folks, we have our sponsor. We love that. Them so much, oh boy! Don't we, Taylor? We love our sponsor. The people, they come up to us in the streets and they say, "Folks, we love DraftKings." They say, "Brendan Taylor, my mother, she came to me crying because of how much she loves DraftKings." And folks, if you want to make your family members cry because of how much they love DraftKings, you should use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday. Hopefully, we are not miserable because of the bills at that point. But we'll see you then, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is Ben, Straight Up Sabers i